Today in Canadian History for March 15th, I'm Joe Barima. On this day back in 1827, a royal charter was given to start the first institution of higher learning in Upper Canada, King's College. This fine institution would grow up to become the University of Toronto. Ah, this is... this is so difficult to say. I've attended post-secondary undergraduate at the U of A up in Edmonton, the, the University of Calgary, and Mount Royal University, far too much post-secondary for, for anyone. So this is difficult, but I'm going to be fair. Over the years, the University of Toronto has proven itself to be one of the top universities in Canada, leading the charge in medical research and higher learning. That actually, that actually wasn't, wasn't too difficult. I had a chance to speak with Martin Friedland about the U of T. He is a professor at the university and is the former Dean of Law. He is also the author of University of Toronto, A History. I reached him in his office on campus in Toronto. We started our conversation with a reading of the charter. The establishment of a college for the education of youth in the principles of the Christian religion and for their instruction in the various branches of science and literature at or near our town of York to continue forever to be called King's College. Well, let's talk about those driving factors behind the the founding. There's a bit of purpose in that statement, but could you elaborate on, on the driving factors? It was considered prestigious to have uh, a college uh, in a small, uh, small in terms of numbers of, uh, of inhabitants um, a colony, but in particular. Uh, John Strawn, the Minister of Education, later uh, Bishop uh, Strawn, uh, was uh, worried, and others were worried, that uh, students were going to the United States to get their uh, higher education. And uh, as I... uh, as he wrote, uh, Strawn wrote, uh, the school books are stuffed with praises of their own institutions and breathe hatred to everything English. Some may become fascinated with that liberty which has degenerated into licentiousness and imbibe perhaps unconsciously sentiments unfriendly to things of which Englishmen are proud. So it was really to, uh, it was anti Americanism uh, way back. Uh, in in those days. The changing of the letterhead from King's College to the University of Toronto took a bit of time. Um, It took almost uh, uh, 25 years. Uh, It didn't get very far uh, because um, when they said a Christian uh, institution, they meant an Anglican institution, a Church of England uh, 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 educational uh, institution. And um, that wasn't the majority re- uh, Christian religion. There were Presbyterians and Methodists and others that wanted this to be a, a secular institution. Um, it wasn't. And as a result, um, in the interim, Queen's University was uh, founded, uh, a Presbyterian institution, uh, a Methodist institution, Victoria uh, College was founded. 
So eventually, in 1850, uh, the uh, government closed down King's College and created the University of Toronto, uh, a completely secular institution. What it wanted was something on the model of the University of London in England, in which uh, there was a central university, but uh, it was composed of of other colleges. Uh, that didn't uh, happen for some time. Um, for the next uh, 20 years after 18, uh, uh, 1850, it was just uh, one non-secular college, uh, university college. It really is impossible to cover the growth and success of the U of T in one short episode of Today in Canadian History. So much has happened over the years. There was the addition of faculties like engineering and medicine, the inclusion of colleges such as Victoria and Trinity. Alumni includes individuals like Marshall McLuhan and, and Frederick Banting. Also, through its graduate program, the U of T's influence spread outside the campus boundaries. Graduate school was uh, started in, uh, graduate degrees were started in uh, 1897, and that was very important. Uh, important for Canada. Many of the uh, first teachers of universities out west or in other parts of Canada came um, uh, to the University of Toronto to do uh, graduate work. Uh, although there weren't a lot of, uh, of, of PhDs, uh, uh, they became increasingly important. Today, uh, Toronto is known for its uh, graduate work, uh, uh, but at that time, uh, it was just an, an add-on. And uh, it, that again, it's the same as with in Bishop Strawn's day. They wanted to have a place where Canadian students could get graduate degrees. Up to that point, they were going to the University of Chicago and uh, Johns Hopkins University uh, and uh, uh, a very important uh, graduate school started to, to, to develop. Like many institutions, it developed uh, slowly and uh, a few steps forward, uh, another step back. Uh, you would have thought if you've been to the University of Toronto and seen uh, uh, university college that it was a grand institution from the beginning. But in fact, uh, after five years as the University of Toronto, there were only 35 students at the University of Toronto. And yet, and this is really uh, uh, hard to believe, and yet they were able to construct that magnificent structure uh, University College, which is one of the greatest buildings uh, in Canada. Um, and uh, in part, that was done in order to use up the endowment, which the denominational colleges were hoping to to, uh, to attack and, and get a piece of. Uh, so um, they put up this magnificent structure, um, which I think is 
perhaps the most important building in in Canada. But I, I mean, I could go on and and show uh, the growth over the years with other faculties uh, joining uh, education, uh, law, music. But the school, uh, the universities, uh, was actually a, a relatively small university until the baby boomers in the 1960s. When I was a student uh, at University College in the 1950s, there were only 10,000 students in the entire uh, university. But because of the baby boomers, uh, that uh, expanded the university. There were new colleges uh, formed. There were two outlying um, suburban campuses Scarborough and uh, Mississauga. Uh, when I wrote the history, or when the history came out in uh, 2002, I said that there were 50,000 students at the university, and it was the largest uh, university in North America for full-time students. And today, uh, um, 10 years later, it's up to uh, 70,000 because of the uh, the continued growth of the graduate school and growth on those uh, two uh, outlying uh, uh, colleges. Today is a day full of Canadian history. Filmmaker David Cronenberg was born on this day in Toronto back in 1943. Artist, painter, Mary Pratt was born in Fredericton, New Brunswick, on this day back in 1935. And as always, on this day, we aired this episode of Today in Canadian History. Today in Canadian History is produced by CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary. The executive producers are Joe Burima and Mark Affeld. Original music is provided by the Fisk, Fletcher and May Trio. This series is not meant to be a definitive source on our past. Instead, we hope that it sparks a desire to learn more about our unique history. For more information on the series or to recommend an event or moment, check out our website at cgswcom slash Today in Canadian History. Partly because the university is in, the, uh, in such a beautiful setting, um, students want to uh, uh, come here, so we attract uh, excellent students and, and excellent uh, faculty. Hmm. Uh, we don't have such a great uh, hockey team, but uh, <laughs> but maybe that'll come. Mm-hmm.